Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors help answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. And now, here is your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other stuff at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. Coasting with me, Melody Lauer. Hello. I thought you were doing, like, hi. Hi. Hello. What was it? No, you were doing something. Hello. Was that it? Yeah, it was, uh, like, Mrs. Doubtfire, sort of. Anyway. Hey, guess what? What's that? This segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, you need more ammo. And when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition at LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, it's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of federal premium ammunition. And remember, unless you're on fire or drowning, you can never really have too much ammo. I, I like your little hand gestures in the background as I'm trying to concentrate. I'm just trying to You look like that one chick at the emphasis. Wu-Tang Clan, like, signing the the lyrics as Joe knows what I'm talking about. The Wu Okay. Um, yeah, okay. They're 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 a performing group, Melody. They've had some hit singles. <laughs> they were cool a while ago, though you might not have heard of them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, joining us, Steve Fisher. Steve Fisher's down with the Wu Tang clan. I am. I know. So hey man, how you been? Good, brother. You? Oh, uh, I can't complain. You know, busy. Busy, busy. Uh, for those that don't know, who are you? What are you doing? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get right into whatever we're going to talk about, which I have no idea and you have no idea. It's going to be great. Yeah, we'll talk about something. Well, it'll be great. Uh, my name is Steve Fisher. I'm a full-time weapons and tactics instructor, teacher, trainer guy. I've been doing it for about 20 years, industry consultant, and I like puppies and long walks on the beach. Aw, you do like puppies. He does like puppies. puppies. He likes children, puppies too, awesome. interestingly enough. Kids are, kids are cool. Kids are cool. Their trolls are awesome. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to, like, let Steve meet my children. Jesus. I mean, they've already been corrupted by the rest of my friends. I mean, what, what would... Might as well. Yeah, might as well. Come on over for lunch, Steve. Oh, man. Um, so, I guess... Uh, so, we... I've been training with you for a couple of years now, and we're pretty good friends, so we get to talk a lot, yeah. too. But um, here's what I want to ex- examine a little bit. Why do people try and overcomplicate what we're doing as far as the uh, shooting side of things? Why is that, do you think? And then I'll get into, like, uh, you'll probably say what I'm kind of hinting at, but what, why, why is that? I think, one, it's lack of their own confidence in their product. I think it's lack of their own skill set ability. I think it's also a matter of, well, I need to be a cool kid, and I want all the cool kids to like me, and I want to be the popular kid on the playground. Hmm. Um, so it seems like when people start talking about, like, self-defense and defensive shooting, 
they want to move away from just the you know sights and triggers at the end of the day all it is is the fundamentals executed under pressure right um so what what does that mean to you and how have you sort of structured your training around that hmm. we've added the pressure aspect uh either be it internal or external stressors that the person puts on themselves in the class they're wanting to be the best wanted to shoot better than the better guy, the, the better shooters in class. Or they want to try to perform to a certain level to impress the instructor, not after that. So what I have done basically is, again, you know, like a lot of people, we have time pressure graded quals. We have physicality, not like where I've got you running like 10 million miles, but movement, time to movement exercises, things of that nature just to, A, increase some of the, the stress rate, the heart rate going, and to just add another, another slight level of performance anxiety in the form of that little beaver box. And it's like I tell students, it just tells time, but you're not used to being timed. You're not used to being graded. You go to the range, you make a lot of brass, you shoot guns, you pat yourself on the back, and you get graded seven yards. And then, oh, my God, we ask you to perform at a different demanding task. And here it is. Now the pressure is added. Well... And it's funny, too, because, um, you know, so I was recently at your handgun class, uh, and you've got a a handgun qual that is very challenging. It's incredibly challenging, um, especially in that uh, it's there's some things in there that not many people practice, but it's certainly doable, and it's certainly something that's within my skill to not only pass, but probably shoot clean. I think if I, um, in fact, I know I could. Uh, And there were a couple things going on in that class, but what ended up happening when I took it was I I disqualified. And it was interesting to me um, how even though I'm pretty experienced at that sort of stuff, because it was new, I'm like, oh, man, this is hard. And do you think that we overinflate stuff like that all the time? I think so. I think so. I think it's a lot of either overinflation. Um, a lot of times it's people just aren't exposed to things that they should be to, so it becomes this daunting task. But it's really not that hard. It's just, hey, dude, grab the gun and shoot the gun. That's all it is. Shoot the gun. That's all you have to do. So how do, how do we get better at that? And how does that fit into our our overarching worldview, I guess? Hmm. Goals. Have a goal. Have a goal that you can obtain. Be it, I don't care if it's like a fast drill. I don't yeah. care if it's, you know, the the nine hole drill from or the fast drill or the uh, you know the super test. Shoot it. Yeah. But don't shoot it to the point like for me a lot of it is like kind of digressing a little bit. Those are all good mark measurable standards. They absolutely are. They involve time. They involve some loading. They involve some driving of the guns, some different skill sets. They're great exercises, and they should be performed, and you should practice them. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of like guys who will shoot, you know, speed bulls, you know, 10 rounds, 10 seconds from the draw on, you know, a B8 to the left or a 100-point aggregate. All those things matter because yeah. they all encompass the fundamentals. They're important. You should do them. You should obtain them. You should go after them. Don't let them defeat you. But take those defeats and say, this is where I need to perform just a little bit more. Hey, I can do a little bit better on my drop stroke. Hey, my reload can be more efficient. Maybe I need to work some dry time on my reloads. 
so I guess it is how does that how does that transfer over to real world self defense um, in your mind and historically I guess you know a lot of it just becomes a task of how I drew the gun. Did I get the gun clean out of the holster? Was it not clean? Great. You get what you get when you get. Be it in a shooting self-defense situation, slash competition, slash skill set test. You get what you get when you get it. You have to make the best of that. And then it could be, well, you know, hey, my recoil control is bad. Mm -hmm. That matters in a gunfight. This matters in this. This matters in all of those things. And realistically, everything that we do, either competitively, defensively, or just for skill tests, all matter. And people just don't see that. Like, well, I'm good enough. Well, you're good enough until you're not. You're good enough until you become that statistic. Why not get yourself to perform better? So for folks that say things like, well, uh, there's no arbitrary timer drills in a gunfight, uh, <laughs> mm. What uh, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Do you kind of see what they're trying to say? Uh, I, I see what they're trying to say, and to me, that's usually a false flag for me. That that sets bells and whistles up. Uh, you know, they're timed events. They are, be it be it seconds, be it minutes, they're timed events, active shooter. That's a timed event, man. It's generally somewhere in the world of one and a half, three minutes long. Yeah. There's a lot of things that can happen in that time frame. You know, the, the you know, the ubiquitous, hey, give me your wallet, give me your money, give me your whatever. Hey, here's a gun in your face. Hey, here's a knife attack, whatever. They're, they're timed events. And I don't expect everybody to be a sub-one-second shooter. I, I do not say that, you know. But what I expect is them to maximize their performance levels to the best that they can to help increase their survivability in that time conflict because they are timed. Well, and that's um, that's kind of something where, man, I don't know. I don't I don't know where the confusion is with that. I I don't know. It comes from people not willing to press themselves, press their students with difficult tasks, difficult, not impossible, all achievable, if they just put in the effort. Everybody wants to run a marathon, but nobody wants to run the, that one mile, that one minute mile to get to that marathon. You know, yeah. everybody wants to bench press 400 pounds, but nobody wants to bench press 200 to get to 400. Well, and so hold that thought because we've got to go to break right now. We're talking with Steve Fisher from Sentinel Concepts. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the new EDC X9, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match-grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service, pistol capacity, and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with the fastest man on the planet, Steve Fisher, running those one-minute miles. Um, I wish. Yeah, that that'd be that'd be speedy. So, I guess um, I guess I kind of see what you mean, man. Because I'm I'm 
I'm okay uh, as far as stuff like that goes, but it took a lot of work to get there. And I had fun getting um, proficient with a handgun or a rifle or whatever, but I'm kind of weird too, you know? And I guess not everybody enjoys like that prep. That, that's kind of part of it too. Not everybody enjoys the prep time or the time that goes into it because it's not their life. Right. Not. And, you know, you get the, the person who wants to come to one, two classes a year. They use that for their practice. They use it to learn some things, take things away. And it's like I come at the end of class. You know, everything I give you at class, everything that you can do at home, dry. Yeah. But you need a timer. You need some way to measure that time to measure your improvement. And that's if that's what you're after. You know, I'm not going to take the 65-year-old guy, 70-year-old leading class who shows up you know, who's running his favorite J-frame and turn him into that person. But we'll get him a little bit better. We'll get him more proficient. We'll show them the tools and the tasks they need to perform. And then it's up to them to take those things back. They notate it in class and then they took away from class and to practice. And if they do, great. But once they leave that range, it's out of our hands. Hmm. Well, and that seems to be too where it, it seems like there are two different schools of thought here where we can assume someone is not going to put any work in so we try to prepare them as best we can uh, in in the short time that we have them for, assuming that they will never do anything ever again, or um, we can we can try and make it salient and relevant to them where they feel motivated to on their own try and improve. And I'm not saying either one of those schools of thought is right or wrong, but is, is that kind of what it falls into? Do you think? Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And you're 100 percent on that. It, it's going to be up to that. It's like you can't force them to eat Brussels sprouts. Boy, you put bacon on it, they want to eat Brussels sprouts. <laughs> so uh, a lot of times if you show them something that they're not very good at and that natural competitive part of that A-type personality comes out or that ego is there, and you can drive them to that that defeat at that point in time, like, man, I want to perform better than this. When I come back next year, six months from now, or go to somebody else's class, I'm going to be better. I want to be better. So now I know what to practice. Man, my draw was slow. Or, hey, my reload was terrible. Or I was taking too long for the first shot. Yeah. Those little things matter. And hopefully at some point that gets driven in their head. I mean, right now this year, 2017 year, I have a 96% failure rate on my call. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Because everybody who's been beaten by it says, you know what? I have something to go after now. And the end result is this. 80% of the shots are still there. Yeah. Realistically. Everything is still there. The most of the time they're defeated by it is the time. And that's great. And they may be a second over. They may be two seconds. Okay, great. Those are still attainable. Where do I shave those points? Do well, I need to trust my sights better? They could be 1,900 seconds over on the uh, on the weekend only draw and yeah. present. You know, not that that happened to me. No, not at all. Um. <clears throat> I did discover, I will say this, so failing that qual was actually really useful for me because it reiterated how much I dislike red dots on pistols for me personally. Even though I, even though I recognize that they have many advantages over iron sights, and even though I recognize that I probably could get really good with them, it was just like a, I don't have enough reason to right now. You know what I mean? Correct. No, absolutely. 100%. You know, not for everybody. Yeah. 
they absolutely are. You know, it's, it's a current trend. It's fashionable again to have red dots. Yeah. It's old as new again. This was the cycle back in 2000. You know, red dots were around in 2000 on pistols. They're around earlier than that. I had my first red dot pistol in 1999 2000 with a Smith and Wesson 5906 huh. with a Tasco Optima 2000. Huh. And this isn't this isn't new. It's been around forever, guys. It's, it's been there, but. It's becoming more fashionable, more trendy, more imperative to a lot of people, even for myself at a point now, because I see it in the law enforcement classes, I see it in other applications that I'm teaching or groups that I'm teaching, and I also see it with aging eyes of shooters. Right. Right. Hey, cool. If that works, great. If not, great. That's how you have to have one. Nobody is. You do what you need to do, what you want to do, because still, at the end of the day, it's your deal, not mine. Well, and, that, and that's something, too, that a lot of people seem to lose sight of is like everybody's lifestyle is different every whatever is different and you know if um if you want to put a dot on your gun and that gets you interested in shooting cool you know if you if you feel like you can only carry a j-frame hey i'm glad you're carrying a gun and not leaving it in your car or not carrying it all um you know so so whatever uh let me ask you this do you see a lot of people coming to your class that take the class with one thing and then run something entirely different? Oh, you know, I've seen that. Um, I'll, I'll get the guy that will generally carry like a Glock 19 a lot of times, and, you know, they show the class in a Glock 34. Okay, cool. Still the same platform within reason, a little bit better set radius, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. They feel for some reason that they need to do that. I'm like, guys, shoot with what you carry with. So it's written in the description. I don't care. You know, it was good this last class, um, one of the last classes I had uh, here recently. I had two guys shooting with MP shields. Hmm. You know, I was like, hey, awesome. Good on you guys. You know, yeah. I had a guy with a Glock 43 who decided after day one, you know, running his 19, he's like, you know, I'm going to go shoot my 43. I'm like, dude, why weren't you shooting your 43 the whole time? <laughs> shoot your 43. I don't care. Well, and it seems like that. So we, you know, the class Melody and I teach, um, we have people that, that shoot their carry guns because we highly, highly, highly pressure them to. Um, but it's funny how often it occurs where someone's carry gun, you know, might be convenient for them, but that's all it is. And then they actually try and live with it when they're needing to use it. And they're like, man, this is really hard. I don't know. Maybe I should carry something I'm different. And we're like, yeah, maybe you should. Why not? Nothing, nothing wrong with that either. You know, I see this a lot um, with people who want to, you know, like, well, I've only got two mags for my carry gun, or the three mags that I'm carrying. You know, I need a couple extra mags because I'm down capacity. I only do seven rounds, eight rounds, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's fine, too. Or you could just buy a couple extra $25 magazines, dude, and have them set aside for training with that particular pistol. Leave your two carry mags, your carry mag, but set aside three or four for classes with that gun. Then right. throw a bunch of loose rounds in your pocket and top them off. There's plenty of money. Well, so I guess for for people that are, you know, interested in this, what is good enough? What's your idea of good enough? Uh, What's that look like to you? So, like, right now, carrying a Glock 43. I've got a Glock 43 on, seven rounds in the pistol, and a spare mag kit next to me in the center council of the church. <laughs> One I, is good enough. I, sus- good enough I, I suspect that there might be a folded-down AR pistol somewhere nearby, too, though, Steve. 
you're, you're probably correct on that, too. I wouldn't admit that being in Massachusetts right now. But yeah. oh, oh. That was the most <laughs> maniacal giggle I have heard in a while. So good on you, Steve. I know. Well, Absolutely. The last time I checked, this is still America. Well, I, so. I, th- I think HR 218 covers you, even in Massachusetts. But, it does. You know. It does. And, um, and yeah. luckily, by yeah. the time this airs, you won't be in Massachusetts anymore. So there's that. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. They can't prove it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I keep saying. Yeah. <laughs> there ain't no pictures. The, hey, the there FBI no is right next door. I can literally look out our studio window and, <laughs> and see them. Which, by the way, uh, Joe, were you around when the bicyclists went up uh, and, and they lost their minds? It was amazing. So oh I'm, I'm talking with the producer. Uh, bicyclists like bicycled up to the FBI and like went past the gate because they just thought it was like a thing, <laughs> and they. Uh, <laughs> we're not happy. No, they were not. They were not. But anyway. Um, well, that, that brings us back to what is normal. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what is normal? And this, this is, I just had this conversation with somebody about what is normal anymore. But go ahead, Terry. Well, I, I was going to say, we actually have to go to break here um, in like 20 seconds. So You're in I'm, that awkward time zone. Yeah. Right? It, it, it's it's like a transitional area where like bad things could happen here, and I just want to get out of it as quickly as possible so nothing bad happens. Just remember to look through your transitional space. Be, be ready for the next Tactical. My, my movement is going to be very tactical. I'm going to look where I'm going, then I'm going to go there. And, hey, look at that. we got to go to break. So we're talking with Steve Fisher from Sentinel Concepts. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it, and that's where Surefire comes in. From the new 1200 lumen EDCL 2T handheld or 500 lumen EDCL 1T handheld to the 1000 lumen XH35 or 300 lumen XC1B, Surefire can make sure you never have to yell Aziz light ever again. Now, with more lumens and improved switching, the best just got brighter. Surefire. And as a special offer to BallisticRadio.com listeners, you can get 30% off the Surefire web store. Entering the discount code all the lumens that is A L L T H E L U M E N S at surefire.com. Remember that's everything but batteries and suppressors. So we're talking with Steve Fisher from Sentinel Concepts, and I don't remember what we were talking about, Steve. Something about how uh, you you scoff at uh, stuff and things. No, yeah, so 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 what's good enough? Not even for carry gear, but like just personal skill level. Well, that's the question the person has to ask himself. If they don't know, who does? Huh. That's an interesting, interesting. concept. I, I use this a lot in class, and I talk to guys. I'm like, so if you don't know who does and why, everything is an equation. And, you know, and I just had this in class, you know, 7 plus 3 plus 5. No matter if it's up, down, left, right, it's still 15. It's the, I know the answer. They know the answer. We know the problem. It's the variables in the middle that we have to get them through to get to the answer. Well, and how do we get them there? Let me ask you this: for, and I, I think a lot of times when we start talking about these things that we don't maybe adequately define who the audience is that we're trying to answer it for. But for non-Leo, non-military, private citizen, do you think the shooting is the problem, or do you think the ambiguity surrounding the incident? leading up to the shooting is the problem the ambiguity 
everybody, I think, kind of has this idea in their head of how it's going to go. And that's what they base a lot of their practice time on. It's going to be the person on the street that sticks them up and, like, hey, dude, stick the gun in their face or a knife in the ribs and like, give me your money. That's not it anymore, people. The, the days of the of the honorable bad guy are long gone. Mm-hmm. They're, they're absolutely gone. And it, it's going to be that person or people, multiples, that storm into the place, either go right to guns immediately or... What else? Well, drive a truck down the road to a crowd. What, what is the evil? What is the normal? That normal isn't any normal. It's not normal anymore. There is no normal. You're most likely going to be attacked by three individuals. They're going to come in and slam you in the back of the head from behind. They're going to knock you to the ground. They're going to go right after you, right at the gate. And they're going to take what they need. It's going to be a very fast, violent action. Extremely fast. Violent. Well, and... What is it? What is it anymore? You know, tell me what the normal is. What well, is it? It, I guess it kind of depends, though, because when we look at, you know, do we look at what makes the news? Because yeah, those make the news way more often than the, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a there's a mall across the street from the studio that's that gets a ton of robberies in the parking mm-hmm. lot, especially during the holiday season, and they're all for the most part, hey, give me your stuff, okay, and that's it. Have it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's it. I think a lot of it sort of de- depends on knowing who you are and where you're at. Almost, I don't know. Oh, you mean like having good situational awareness and being cognizant of your world around you and your environment, what you're doing, and why you're even going there? I think maybe it's more along the lines of understanding your, for lack of a better word or term, understanding your position in society, where you are specifically, but also your own risk profile, Um, you know, and I think one of the things that we fall down as in the industry from trainers and from students is understanding um, like, for instance, a lot of times when, whenever I teach a class, I'll actually go around the room and ask people, what's your scenario? Like when, when you think of using a firearm for self-defense, what do you picture yourself using it um, for? And most of the time, these people pick very um, third party, like it's an active shooter event and they're saving the world kind of a thing. Or it's it's very clear cut. There's zero ambiguity, you know someone comes into my house with a gun and starts shooting at me at, at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. The likelihood of these things actually happening versus an ex-boyfriend coming and in a jealous rage, you know, starting something with the new boyfriend, you know, what's far more likely there, but they're not preparing for the likely scenarios. They're preparing for the unlikely but very clear scenarios and bringing those people back to reality and saying, yeah, let's prepare you for those, but let's also have a conversation about what is more likely to happen so that that's where your mind is heading. No, exactly, 100% right. And people don't think about that. You know, and this is why firearms training, right, and it's a whole should realistically be based around fundamentals. That's all you're going to get when you get it at that point in time. And the key ingredient there is having the gun. And for that, and the situation could be any of the number of those situations. But people don't want to, I think, necessarily look at it that way a lot of times. They want to come to gun, gun camp. They want to shoot. They want to be better at shooting or whatever. And they don't play out the realism or the scenario that could be there and what, what really happens to them. Well, 
and it seems to me too, and this is actually really prevalent even amongst instructors, not understanding the difference between like a drill and a scenario and what uh, each, yes. what each one is for. Um, what here, why don't we talk about that a little bit? Uh, drill drill versus scenario. What what are the differences? Uh, drills, static paper, static, non dimensional, it's there. Mm-hmm. Scenario based. People, crowds, other human beings, things moving in the foreground, background, people around you. This is why I think it's important for people to get into force on force scenario based training. Yeah. Realistic scenario based training, not paintball fights. I mean, you I don't, think it's you don't want to play whack a mole with UTM? I love playing whack a mole with UTM. I was going to yeah, say, that sounds that fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But again, it has to be realistically based around the current threat evaluation and assessments of what's happening today in everybody's life. So could it be, hey, I need to go because I work in a big space and we have a lot of employees that come and go, da 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 da, get fired, get whatever. We should do some active shooter scenario based training. Great. Or it should be, hey, you work at a counseling center that involves family trade offs. You know, dad's coming to pick up troll today from mom. Mom and dad have daddy been fighting again. You know, mommy or daddy's back in the bottle or back in the meds or pills or whatever. They're off their meds. Who knows? So to that person working in that environment, they should look for something that is scenario based around that, that's based upon their life and what they deal with in their day to day world. Well, and they one supports the other, right? Absolutely. Why do you think? Absolutely. Why do you think so many people don't get that, or do they get it and they just? I, I don't know. What is it? They, they don't want to believe it. They just want a Ricky Bobby, and it's like, well, it that's can't be that simple. Yep, that's exactly it. Everyone wants to be. Everybody wants to be NASCAR driver. You know, whether they got a Prius or a Lamborghini, everybody wants to be a NASCAR driver. But the fact is, they don't know how to drive the car. They don't understand the car. They don't understand any of it. There's a lot that goes into the driving, performance driving, just going to shoot. And they just don't see where the delineations are. They don't want to. So, and I'm, I'm acquaintances with Daryl Bulky. I'd say friends. Um, and yeah. You know, Daryl and Wayne are really interesting because, and it, it makes people mad, but they have um, been championing the idea of really high accuracy standards. And speed is not necessarily even, I mean, speed of presentation is important, but they'll say things like, hey, if you're shooting 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4 splits, that's plenty fast enough. Um, sure. And that that seems to annoy a lot of people, but it goes back into the the concept of guys that can shoot well tend to historically do really well in multiple gunfights. Yes, they do. You know why? Tell me. Because control, emotional control. They understand it. They've seen it. They get it. It's just like it's just like take take the take the grandmother living in Detroit who's got a high point nine millimeter, you know, three eighty, whatever, that's a total waste of time according to the internet, who beats off three home invaders with that gun and kills them two of them. Yeah. A gun that notoriously told will never work for that aspect, that will never work this, who's never had any formal training. Yeah. Well, it becomes reactionary. It becomes instinctive. It's a survival mechanism that's been talked about for years in this community. In this community, you know, the whole fight or flight. Da, 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 da. You know what? Having the tools 
it's a great thing. Having a survivalist mindset is even better. Well, and we'll talk about that in a second. So we're talking with Steve Fisher from Sentinel Concepts. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. So we're talking with Steve Fisher from Sentinel Concepts, and we were discussing the idea that um, having, like, the survivor's mindset and... It appears to me, um, with all the incidents that I've been able to research and stuff like that, is that more important than anything is kind of like you said, people that can keep their heads and can be very aggressive if that's what the situation calls for. Absolutely. So how do we, Absolutely. How, do we how do we get folks to do that? Uh, you know, you can't necessarily always turn a rabbit into a hawk. Mm-hmm very hard to do for a lot of people. They live in the world where everything is good. We live in a good neighborhood. We live in a small town. We live in a safe space. It's the special snowflake mentality. You know, that person that just doesn't believe it. But then again, you take that same age bracket, say it's the 16-year-old woman who lives in upscale wherever safe place, and you take that same 16-year-old woman who's taking care of her, her grandchildren who lives in a not-so-great area who's had that ability to process evil through their environment. It's something they're not going to do. They know it's an extreme possibility. They know that will happen at some point in time. It may have happened to them previously, and they said not again. Even if it was 15 years prior, 20 years prior. Yeah. It's a survivalist mindset. It's a mentality. People live in this very nice, protected bubble for a lot of people. This can't happen to you. It won't happen to you. So they become that statistic. And newsflash, there is nowhere safe anymore, people. I have to tell you this, believe it or not, there is nowhere safe anymore. Well, and it, it I would actually argue that uh, there never was. We just kind of thought maybe, you know, whatever. It, um, it, it, yeah, it hadn't reached that level yet at some point in time, but now it's never been there. So, let me ask you this, um, how, how do we get folks to, um, how do we get folks to really take this serious, or, or do we, do they just kind of, do they, do they have to figure it out for themselves? Yes, a, a lot of them will be, here, here's the fact, it's in your face every day in the news, it's in social media, it's on the TV, it's in the theaters, it's in the book, it's in the Facebook, it's Instagram, whatever it is. It's all over social media, which is today's biggest source of information for everybody. It's on every news channel every day, every night. But they turn a blind eye to it. They don't believe it. It can't happen. Or, oh, that's terrible. Like the shooting in Texas that just happened. Horrible, horrific event. Horrific. Children. Who does that? What kind of evil does that? And then they look at their own kids and they say, oh, it's a good thing we live here. It's a good thing we don't do this. It's a good thing we, don't do it's a good thing we don't have guns. You know, this is all evil. We don't know what people have guns. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your association, affiliation, sex, race, color, creed, religion. It's here. It's everywhere. Well, do you and think the that only... there's... Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. Do you no, think that at the same time, um, you know, we're kind of over 
overstimulated by all of this, these reports, when in actuality, I mean, all the reports say that crime, violent crime is going down. I, I agree with you that there's no necessarily safe place. But in general, the more um, the more access we have to all of this information about violent crime, when in reality, violent crime is at an, not necessarily an all time low, but it's lower than it has been in quite a while. Mm-hmm. So, Correct, it has. So now, now it's just being thrown in your face with a sense of for, for the sensation of it. Now it's like, oh, look what this, look what happened here now, or look what happened there. When realistically, you know, people are like, oh, this is horrible. This is like the most horrific thing in the world. I just had this conversation with some friends uh, two nights ago. I'm like, no, it's not. 1923, Bath Township, Michigan. Yeah. It involved IEDs. It involved explosives. It involved explosives in vehicle. It involved explosives. A 500-pound bomb that did not detonate in the school yeah. after people were, after children were killed in the school and the school was set on fire. It's been here forever. It's just more accessible to us now. It's in our face more so because of technology. Which I think can kind of skew the data, too, which, like I said, we have people who are preparing for kind of unrealistic scenarios based upon sensationalism, yes. based not based upon yes, reality. Yes, absolutely they are. And while it's good to have some kind of mindset of preparation for these things, but what is the realistic scenario based on? Is it the seven ISIS dudes that attack the mall next week? And you're going to carry five extra magazines and, you know, da 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 when realistically you should probably be planning on how to get the hell out of there. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what is their skill set? What is their ability? What is their mindset? You know, what, why? Here's the funny thing about that, and I'm kind of glad you brought it up because I, I wanted to semi-talk about it before the show was over. But, you know, we can look at the, uh, we can look at the statistical probabilities and all that, but... At the end of the day, a dude grabbed a rifle out of his safe, stuffed stuffed rounds into a magazine, shot at a dude, then got into a stranger's car and chased <laughs> them at 95 miles per hour to finish the fight. I mean, that is not a typical situation at all, but it happens. So maybe just having a robust skill set and going from there. Yeah, well, it's like we talked about. You know, if that had been a handgun, would the outcome have been different? How proficient was that guy with a handgun? Or maybe he owned a rifle. Maybe he didn't have a handgun. Maybe he only owned a rifle. You know, that's not uncommon in a lot of places, especially in that area. So, skill sets, right? Carby, I had a guy in class this weekend, hadn't touched his AK in three and a half years. Three years. They concentrated heavily on this. Shows up to class with an AK. First couple of reps, a little rusty, but accurate was right back in the gun like it was nothing flat. He's like, man, this comes back easily. This is what we've talked about. Shooting this particular object is very easy. Yeah. To become proficient enough with it versus a pistol. So where should you be spending most of your time? What should you be practicing for? Realistically, the up close, the personal aspect of it, the in-your-face, five-yard, seven-yard, three-yard shooting, eh, probably the grocery store. The convenience store, the restaurant you go to every day. Huh? I don't know. Well, thinking with a gun in your hand would help too. That, yeah, you know, practice there's... practice that a few exactly. times. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's no fun though. Why? Why? That's no fun. You know, we only shot two hundred rounds in eight hours. That's not fun. I had to think about things. I had to do other stuff that I didn't want to do. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Really? I don't. I don't. I don't know what the correct answer is there. Um, I don't think there is one. 
honestly, I just don't think there is one. I don't know. I, I do not know. So what do you got? Is there anything you're excited about? we got a minute or two left before we have to go. Yes, yes, I'm very excited. The new lights from Surefire. <laughs> what what so new excited. lights from Surefire, Steve? Pray do All of them. The, fifth, the 1500 Lumen Dual Fuel Scout. The new EDC two-cell freaking 1200 Lumen Monster. Yeah. Some of the new the EDC LT1. I love them. It's great. Surefire hit the nail on the head thanks to some really good person who finally cracked the code of getting in front of them and telling them what the people want and making them listen. Thank you, John. Uh, well, I'm only blushing. You're a making him blush. You're so bad, good. Steve. I want. You know what? I'm taking a picture. <laughs> <laughs> you should, because here's the thing. For years, a lot of us have said, hey, we need this. We need this. Yeah, whatever. Somebody finally cracked the code getting in front of the right people to make it happen. Yeah. Um, as with many things, I got very lucky and I had a lot of a lot of good people. Um, you know, the yeah. the team at Surefire is awesome right now and, and they they're are. they're doing a lot of really cool things and I'm really excited about some of the the cool things and happy to play my very, very small part in in stuff. Mm. But uh, you did what you helped accomplish what a lot of people could not get done for years. And you cracked that code. You should be very proud of yourself. You should hold your head up really high on this one, dude. Actually, that's because we're buddies, and not because I like being on your show, but because what has managed to become accomplished in a relatively short period of time will save lives, will increase performance, and make people better. You have done that. Um, thank you, Steve. So, You're welcome, John. On, on I'll tell you this right now. I, I will tell you this, though, factually. Right now, 100%. Melody, after this moment, John, Pat would be proud of you. Um, well, thank you, Steve. Now I'm crying on my own radio show. <laughs> and it, it, on, that, uh, on that note, we actually have to go, man. If people want to take a class with you, where can they uh, find your website at? Uh, sentinelconcepts.com on Facebook, on the web, on the usual sources, Instagram, Sentinel Concepts, Facebook, Sentinel Concepts, uh, World Wide Web, all that good stuff. Cool, dude. Hey, man, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for coming on this morning. Uh, we will talk with you soon again, I am sure. Awesome, brother. I appreciate it. Mel, good talking to you as well, girl. You too, Steve. All right. All righty. Hey, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And, hey, keep leaving those five-star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week.